Good morning, everybody. Welcome to High Point. If we haven't met, my name is Amy Hubbard. Uh, My husband Jason and I are part of the leadership team here at High Point. We've been here for, gosh, a while now, a little over seven years. Yeah, that's right. So um, it's a real pleasure to get to speak with you guys today and to bring the message today. It's been a minute since I've gotten to preach here at High Point, and so I'm really excited. Um, would you pray with me as we get into the word this morning? I really want to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come and for us to hear from God what we need to hear from him today, whatever that may be. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to be together, to be together to worship, to pray for each other, uh, to hear from you together. And so Lord, would you come? Would you fill this room, this church, God, this, this historic building, Lord, with your presence and your peace? Would you speak to us from your word this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so uh, last week we had our online service, and Pastor Andy uh, had a message called, Like Totally. And I didn't say that as as well as he did, although I am a child of the 80s as well. Some of y'all weren't even born then, I know, but you still, you watch Stranger Things, you kind of get the whole vibe. So, yeah, so we're continuing along that vein uh, this week as well. So last week, Pastor Andy talked about kind of how we can kind of have an expectation of God to only move in certain times and in certain ways in our lives. Um, Like we get it in our heads sometimes, specific things that we need him or want him to do for us, when in fact, what he really wants to do is like totally change, see, see what I did there? Like totally change and transform us in every possible way. So along those lines, and along that theme, I want to continue today. We're going to look at a passage in Matthew, uh, one of the earliest sermons that Jesus preaches to his disciples, and a question that he asks them. And you know, it's a passage that probably has, I couldn't even begin to know how many thousands of sermons that have been preached about this. And I probably have read this passage a hundred times at least in my life as a Christian. You probably have too. But when I read it a couple weeks ago, it was like that passage was just highlighted uh, in yellow and jumped out for me. So let's go ahead and read it. Uh, It's Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 28. Listen to the sound of Bible pages turning. That's a good sound. I like that. Apps swiping is good too. However you read the Bible is good. Then Jesus says to his his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. There's a TV show, um, I think it's still on, that I used to love to watch called Antiques Roadshow. Is there anyone who's 150 years old like, like me that also, does anyone know what Antiques Roadshow is? Okay, good. I don't want to have to like 
reinvent the wheel here, but basically it is a show on PBS, so yes, kind of nerdy, but that's fine, and it is where people bring their old heirlooms, their thrift store finds, they bring them to all these different experts. So you got like a baseball card expert and you got like a old furniture expert and you have somebody who's an expert on like forks from the 1800s. I don't know, I don't know how they become experts in these things, but they are nonetheless. And so you have people bring them and they give, this to the, give them to the expert and the guy or woman tells them what the worth is of that item. And look, I know some of you get excited by like the half-court buzzer beater shot that wins the game, but I get really excited when somebody brings their old pocket watch that used to belong to their grandfather and find out that it's worth half a million dollars. Dude, that is really exciting. I'm not going to lie. And that actually happened, by the way. I'm just telling you that was an actual thing that happened. So, so this excites me. It's always fun to just see somebody come with something that they are not sure what the worth of that item is. And someone can tell them, this is what you have. This is what you think it is. This is what it really is. Of course, on the other hand, not everything is worth half a million dollars. And so sometimes you have somebody that's maybe paid $5,000 for a painting they really liked at an estate sale. And they find out that it's worth about fifteen. That is a real bummer. You don't ever want to be the $10,000 painting guy who finds out that it's only worth about 15 bucks. You know, that's got to hurt. So a lesson here in Antiques Roadshow, which by the way, if you ever need to take a good nap, you find a good episode, <laughs> it is something so soothing. I'm just saying, something so soothing about it puts you right to sleep. But a lesson here in that show is that sometimes we think that something we want or something we have is worth a whole lot. So we spend whatever we need to spend to get it, only to find out later it wasn't worth what we spent on it. You know, let's put that passage, that Matthew passage, back up here, and I want to read the first half of it again, because I now want to drill down a little bit on the question Jesus asked his disciples. So let's just read it again. It's always good to read it again. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? So I read this passage uh, a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, maybe that question, is anything worth more than your soul? Maybe Jesus meant that rhetorically to his disciples. But this time when I read it, it jumped off the page to me and I felt like Jesus was wanting me to give him my actual answer to that question. Amy, is anything worth more than your soul to you? So I sat there and it took me a minute because the Sunday school churchy answer, if some of you have maybe been around church a while like I have, you know what all the Sunday school answers are, right? You know that it's like, no, of course not Jesus. Nothing compares to you. You know, when it comes to Sunday school answers, I always think of that old joke where the teacher's got the kids in the Sunday school class, and she's like, okay, 
I'm going to describe an animal, and I want you to tell me what it is. And so all the little kids are, like, looking at her, and she's like, it lives in trees and has a big fluffy tail. And they're just staring at her, not answering. She's like, it eats acorns, and it can run and jump. And she's describing and describing. And finally, one little boy raises his hand, and he says, I know the answer is supposed to be Jesus, but it really sounds like a squirrel. (laughs) So we know, right, what the churchy answer is. So when we ask ourselves, is anything worth more than your soul? We know what we're supposed to say, right? No, no, only, only Jesus, only you, Lord. But what is my real answer? That's the question I've been asking myself um, the last couple of weeks. And the question I want us to open our hearts today and ask ourselves and ask the Lord to reveal to us, is anything worth more than your soul? What am I counting as worthy of my soul? Because Jesus says right before that, what does it benefit you? What does it benefit anybody to gain, to gain the whole world but lose your soul in the process? And then he says, what's worth more than your soul? Let's drill down a little bit. I want to look at the Greek word for soul that that is used in the New Testament in that passage that <clears throat> that is trans- <clears throat> excuse me that is translated into soul is the Greek word suke. Now I'm not a native ancient Greek speaker, but this is the information I found on the internet. Suke means breath and life. Your soul is inhabits your body like breath. It's what makes you you. It's the unique person that God has created you to be. It's your will, it's your emotions, it's your affections, it's your what your attention goes to. Think of your soul as God's thumbprint on your life. Your soul makes you you. It's the essence of who you are and who God's created you to be. You know, we get, as you know, we get one soul, we get one life, And in the course of our lives, it is easy to get distracted and take our eyes off following Jesus. No matter what age and stage you are in life, uh, even if you're young, if you're in high school here, if you're in college, um, middle school, there is so much pressure to follow a certain track, get the grades, rack up the right extracurriculars, get the test scores so you can get into the good schools. You know, we just went through this with our older daughter. Our son will be doing that next year. It is a lot. It is a lot of pressure. And as we get older, our focus becomes get the job, make a comfortable living, get by. We want to be liked. Um, We want to be thought well of by others. We want to be comfortable. By the way, none of that stuff is bad, okay? We all need jobs and 401ks and somewhere to put our stuff and you know, a way to get around. We need all those things. But it is so easy to, is that for me? Thank you. It is so easy to deem ourselves a success in life or not by how we're doing in some of those things I just mentioned. This is why Jesus says, 
What does it benefit you to gain all that stuff, to gain the whole world, but lose your soul? He says, if you try to save your own life, you'll lose it. But if we follow Jesus as Lord, we save our own lives. So if I try to boil it all down, boil life down to what I earn and what I achieve, to how good I'm doing at following what everybody else is doing, am I losing my soul? Am I losing the God-ordained parts of me? Am I neglecting who God has called me to be? So I've been reading through Matthew very slowly since the start of the year. Like just a few, I just felt like God wanted me to slow way down. So sometimes I'll only read like two or three verses, and I'll read it over and over again, and just asking God to show me himself. And as I've been reading through Matthew, there are two things I'm seeing over and over. Number one is Jesus had an incredible love and immense compassion for people. And number two, Jesus expected complete devotion and obedience from his followers. Like he told people that to follow him, their lives would have to completely change their priorities, the way they saw the world, the way they lived their lives. It it would all just kind of get turned upside down. This is what he told them. Now, from my perspective, sometimes I'm like, Jesus, you got to ease people into this a little bit more, man. Like you're going to freak people out. You know, like it's, it's like, is this the best way to start something new? Lord, you're going to scare all these people. Jesus wasn't interested in my advice, strangely, about that. He knew exactly what he was doing. And the Bible says that sometimes that's exactly what happened. It says that sometimes people heard his teaching and went away because it was too much. They couldn't bear the thought of changing their lives in that way, of being completely devoted uh, to him and his way. But he tells people from the start to follow me, Get ready to sacrifice your own desires and live as I live. He says, take up your cross. Now, for us, that's probably a common phrase because we've heard it over and over and over again. And there's even a common uh, phrase in culture people use, you know, that's my cross to bear. But in this context, to take up your cross, if someone in this culture and this time was taking up a cross, they were walking to their own death. They were carrying the means of their own death on their backs. And so here's our cozy little Bible study. Jesus sits down and he's like, y'all get ready to die. Again, not super warm and fuzzy, right? And I read this as a, as a human being and I'm like, Lord, this is, this is a little offensive. I got to be honest with you. This does not sound super fun to me. Sorry. I mean, I'm just being honest. But Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you're as devoted to, if you're devoted enough to following me, to be willing to lose your life for my sake, he says, you're going to find it. So he uses the analogy of take up your cross. And everybody then would have known exactly what that meant. Take up your cross and follow me. Jesus essentially says, get ready to die. Get ready to die to the way you think things should go, to the way you want, necessarily the way you want to live your life. Contrast that with 
how we often live as Christians. And I'm talking about myself here. We go to church. We're in church right now. We try to be good people. We want to be good people. We want to do the right things. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But sometimes the temptation is there, and I've done it myself. We try to add Jesus to our lives. We try to kind of like sprinkle him in a little bit in hopes that he's going to make our lives better. We want to love Jesus. We do love Jesus, but we also want to do what we want to do. The reality is, though, Jesus is not a seasoning. He's not someone you just sprinkle sprinkle over your life. Jesus is not, you know, a flavor enhancer. <laughs> like, what's that, Mrs. Dash or whatever? You just, just add a little Jesus to your job, to your home life, to your dreams for your future. And I know that we know that, but we approach our lives in that way sometimes. Lord, this is my plan for this year. Would you bless it, God? This is, this is the relationship, Lord. Would you bless it, Jesus? I just want to add a little Jesus to this and hope that it works out the way that I want it to work out. Jesus doesn't tell us to add him to our lives in that way. He says, pick up a cross and follow me. He says that we're supposed to surrender all of that desire, all of that striving, that grappling for position to him. Jesus is telling us, if you focus on all that as your top priority, that kind of like getting ahead in life, if you focus on that, you're going to lose your soul in the process. And what is, what is your soul worth? I want you to think about that for you, yourself right now. What is your soul worth? What are you spending it on? What are you spending it towards? What are we, our suke, the breath of God, the life of God that he's uniquely stamped you with? What is your soul worth? Now, I do want to add this in. Here's the kicker. You know, it's not like Jesus expects us to live in some kind of virtual reality world where we don't need material things. Okay, I am in no way saying that. We live in the real, real world. You know, Jason and I found out earlier this week that we probably need a new transmission, which is not a good time. That is not a great piece of information to hear. So we drove here in our car on duct tape and Jesus, basically. We got, we got here safely. We're going to get home. It's all going to be fine. I get it. We need material things. We need physical things. We exist on the earth, right? So I'm not saying, oh, you don't need a job. You don't need groceries, medical bills. Just trust Jesus more. I'm not saying that. But Jesus says, if that becomes what you place at the forefront of why you do what you do and who, and who you are, you will lose what makes you you. You will lose your soul. In Matthew 6, he addresses this in verse 31 through 33. He says, so don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? How much does it cost to get a new transmission? Oh boy, that's a lot of money. These things, he says in verse 32. Listen to this. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Isn't that true? 
Has it dominated your thoughts before? Because it sure has mine. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Jesus is not saying, pretend like you don't have any needs. Pretend you don't exist on the physical plane and like need to pay the bills. Jesus is saying, yes, 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 yes. I know. He knows what you need. He knows what you need. But he says, don't worry about it. Trust him and seek him. Seek his righteousness before we seek those other things. You know, we talk in the church a lot, and Scripture talks some about, too, the idea of surrender, that we need to surrender our lives to Jesus, that we surrender, we lay down, we surrender our will, our stubborn hearts. The idea and concept of surrender in our culture is viewed as negative a lot of the time. So I want you to think about in a war situation, a war movie, the losing side surrenders only when it is their literal last option. They surrender when they have been beat and beat bad, and they know that if they don't surrender, they're going to die. And often the other side who they're surrendering to is not so interested in taking good care of them once they surrender, right? It is a humiliating defeat to surrender. And so sometimes if we think, if we take that idea of surrender and we apply it to our lives with Jesus, we think, oh, well, that sounds like a real bummer. I don't want to surrender. Like that means I've failed. That means I've lost. That means what's Jesus going to do with me when I surrender? Is he going to make me do something I really don't want to do? What if we shift how we think about surrender? I want to propose to you that we shift and change the way we think about the idea of surrender. So I want you to picture yourself. Picture yourself. You are in an operating room. You find yourself in this operating room. There is a patient laid out on the table before you, anesthetized. Say that right? You get the idea. Ready for surgery. And a nurse walks up to you and hands you a scalpel and says, okay, the heart transplant patient is prepped and ready. Let's get this operation started. And all the assembled medical staff in the room is looking at you, watching and waiting for you to begin this heart surgery, this transplant surgery. How would you feel? Am I describing some of your anxiety dreams that you probably already have? Yeah. How would you feel in that moment? You start to panic. Listen, YouTube has a lot of valuable information. There is no amount of YouTube tutorials that are going to prepare you to perform a heart transplant. It just ain't going to happen. You can't even get those latex gloves on your hands without poking holes in them. This is not going to go well. So imagine the burden that you feel and the panic. Then, as you're standing there, someone steps up next to you. And it is the hospital's very experienced expert cardiothoracic surgeon. And she holds out her hand to take the scalpel from you. In that moment, I want you to imagine the immense (laughs) relief that you would feel at the, oh my gosh, the ability 
to hand over this enormous burden and responsibility that you did not know what you were going to do with and give it to someone who is ready, willing, and expertly skilled to take over. That's surrender. When you take something that you can't handle the responsibility and burden of and you give it over to someone who is ready and willing. So when we talk about surrendering to Jesus, what joy and relief we can find when we lay down our way for his way, when we give our lives to him. This is what surrender to Jesus is. And I just want to ask today, because I don't want to assume ever, have you truly surrendered in that way, your whole self, your soul, your wants, your needs to Jesus? Do you trust him in that way? You know, Jesus's words in Matthew that we read about taking up your cross and following him and losing your soul and all of that, you know, that may sound extreme or harsh at first glance. But listen, you guys, it's actually, Jesus is so truthful and compassionate in that moment. He knows us. You know, he knows you. He knows you better. He knows me better than we know ourselves. He knows that we have a tendency without him to trade our souls for things that aren't worth it. He knows that we will spend 50 grand on, you know, on a $5 trinket. Just like, you know, Antiques Roadshow, right? He knows, he knows that our tendency is to prioritize what we can physically see and achieve and get ahead with that our tendency is going to be to prioritize those things at the expense of our own soul over the expense of who God has called and made us to be. He knows that the only way for us to find the kind of life that he really has designed and called us to live is by following him. And even more, this can be the tough part to swallow, he says that if we aren't willing to do that, if we aren't willing to take up our cross and follow him, if we aren't willing to surrender, then we aren't really his followers to begin with. That means that you strip away all the outward signs maybe of what it means to live a Christian life, to go to church, to have Bible study, to give, to all those things. At the core, the question remains, have we surrendered our lives to him? What is our soul worth? What are we spending it towards? You know, the Apostle Paul reckoned with this question as well. As we close, I want to read to you what he said to the church in Philippi, in chapter 3. He says, he's listing all his accomplishments and his achievements, and he says to them, I once thought these things were valuable, But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Is anything worth more than your soul? That's our question today. Lord, what have I deemed as worthy 
of the soul that you have breathed into me. And Lord, is it what you would have me? Am I spending my life, God, on what you would have me spend it on? Let's just take a moment. We're going to close in just a time of prayer and reflection. I really have been asking the Holy Spirit to visit us this morning for his presence to really come for each of us in a powerful way and to speak to us that, you know, some of us are going through some difficult things, some hard things that exist in the physical world, some bills, some job things, some, some things that we are concerned about. And I'm not saying pretend those aren't real. I'm saying let's ask the Holy Spirit to remind us who he is, that our Heavenly Father knows our needs, and yet at the same time he's asking us to follow him first. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, God, I just thank you that you're here with us today. Lord, would you come in your presence to each of us right now in our hearts? God, you know, you know us. Lord, you know what we're dealing with individually. You know what the things that are on our hearts and the concerns that we have. And God, I pray this morning for those of us that have come with concerns like, what do we eat? What will we wear? Where, you know, how are we going to pay these bills, God? Remind us this morning. Your word says your heavenly father sees your needs and knows them. It says, seek first his kingdom and all those things will be added to you. He's going to meet those needs, Lord. Remind us of that this morning. Lord, you care. You see us. You know and love us. And Holy Spirit, I also ask you, as we've talked about, you, you ask the disciples and you ask us this morning, what does it benefit you? What is it going to benefit you if you gain the whole world but lose your soul. Is anything worth more than your soul? Lord, we lay that before you this morning. In our own hearts, God, would you show us what are we spending our soul towards? What are we deeming as worth the soul that you've placed in us? Lord, I just repent for the times that I have spent my affections, my will, my time toward things that are not from you towards things that you have not ordained for me. Lord, forgive me for the times that I've gotten distracted or depressed or all caught up in something that was never should have been mine to begin with. Lord, forgive me for the times that I haven't taken my cross up and been willing to lay my life down to follow you, Jesus. This morning, Lord, we choose you. We repent and ask you to forgive us for the times that we've, we've gone our own way. And God, would you this morning, would you this morning, Lord, get us back on track in our own hearts and soul and following you and placing you first. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.